0: I just, I just, I just speak my peace, keep my peace. What's good, y'all? Welcome to the Speak My Peace podcast. As always, I'm your gracious host, Greg Lacey. <clears throat> <clears throat> Life we always do about this time, I hope this episode reaches you all in good health, good wealth, and that you are taking care of yourself and your loved ones, as we know how important that is today. Um, and every other day, um, very vital. Last week, I had a session with my uh, therapist. And we were having a conversation about, you know, issues I deal with when it comes to networking. And in the midst of that conversation, I had realized that growing up, I didn't have too many folks that I was close to that lived the professional life, something that, you know, isn't uncommon. In the area I come from and areas similar to that across the country, more times than not, you're going to find folks hustling and or working the common nine to five. You know, a lot of us, we grow up in those environments and our grandparents are retired by the time we are born. So the most work we ever see them doing is volunteering. For me, my grandparents are fairly young, so they worked. I would say a good majority of of my upbringing with that you know going back into the knowing not knowing too many people that live the professional life you know my grandparents are the closest to that example that i can think of uh in this moment they met at and worked for a prestigious and recognizable company for most of my life but they're my grandparents so you know as a young child you hold them to a different regard than you would, you know, your parents or your uncles, your aunts or any other relatives. You know, there is a, a larger generational gap between your grandparent than you and your grandparents. And it would be between, let's say, you know, you and your relative who may be 15 plus years uh, older than you. So the relatability in between the two is very difficult when you're comparing, you know, your grandparent to a potential relative, whether that's aunt, uncle, cousin, whatever the case it may be. I bring all this up to shine a light on really just the disadvantages a lot of us from our communities have once we do occupy those spaces. You name it. Any experience in life is easier to manage when you have someone who knows you personally and vice versa um, that have occupied those spaces that have walked those halls before you so that you have that blueprint rather than lying lying down the foundation of that path that you're walking. You know, one of the many greatest benefits from that knowledge is when things like promotions are on the horizon for you and you know how to navigate those spaces better. You know, you are aware when those conversations should begin. You are aware whether or not the company your employer that you're working for is drafting you along in hopes of, you know, selling you this dream of promotion as long as possible in order to retain you at the current position so that they don't have to pay you more. You know, you are more aware whether your promotion is negotiable or not. And if it is negotiable, you are aware of the landscape of the salary range you should be in once you do finally get into those talks of these negotiations. Last season, I had took you all through one of my processes of, of what it was like to entertain offers from other employers as I was attempted to leave my current employer and how that ended up with me being um, retained and being offered promotion uh, to stay with my current employer. Obviously, I'm not about to take you all through that whole story now, and um, if you are interested, please do go back and listen to episode, I believe it was episode 99, um, so you can hear the whole story. As grateful as I was for that outcome, that entire process was nerve-wracking. And in that same breath, just as well as an experience like that could go well, it could also be disappointing. Um, And I've experienced that as well. Just as recent as this past winter, you know, I found myself in a position to where I felt like I had been with my current employer long enough to see what was out there in terms of potentially leaving my employer. Now, this experience was different from that of the previous year, because the year prior, I wasn't actively looking. Um, Recruiters were just hitting me up left and right for about a month straight. And after that, you know, after a month had went by and I was ignoring them, I finally decided to start to respond to them. So when I finally started to respond, I was getting interviews like every other day. What it felt like. This time it was different because I was actively looking and I was doing my research on different companies uh that were of interest to in me and different jobs and stuff that were interesting me and whatnot. And literally on my first day of actively looking, a recruiter from a brand that, you know, I'm a big fan of and have been a big fan of probably since I was a toddler. Had reached out to me and wanted to interview me for an opening they had. So immediately I get big headed because you have to remember just 12 months ago, I was in the same position and it went extremely well. So essentially I'm on cloud nine. I go through the first interview for this job with the recruiter and I kill it. This is her words, not mine. The only thing that I didn't like in that interview or in this first interview that I, that I learned was really the salary range. Um, the salary range that we discussed was less than what I was expecting, so much less that the highest of their range was still $5,000 lower than my lowest number in my range. So even with that, I'm still enamored by the opportunity to work for this brand. So I take that little discrepancy on the chin and I still move forward with them, you know, because I'm, I'm still interested. So one week later, you know, I have an interview with the director of that team. For those of you who don't know, in media, the director is like the head honcho uh, of that specific team. You know, most agencies have a multitude of brands and each brand have, I will say, subdivisions of, of different teams that execute different things for said brand. So of each team, the director is a head honcho. So I have that interview with the director and I'm not really exactly sure how it went because I feel confident in myself, but the director was flooring. I forget which country she was from, but because English wasn't her first language, it was a little difficult for me to pick up on a different cues from her tone of voice. And the interview what happened via webcam. So I really couldn't particularly pick up on body language like I wanted to non nonverbal cues like I wanted to. But again, I was in the same position last year and I killed it. So I'm still big headed almost to the point of me being delusional. So a week goes by. And a recruiter hits me up and tells me that the director liked me and they would like to move forward the process. So I'm happy because, again, I'm not exactly sure how that went. But to get this positive news, I'm like, OK, I, I'm, I'm, I could still be a little big headed. Um, but they want to move forward the process. Now, process being more interviews. And, dog, let me tell you, all I went through four interviews for this damn job. So I get scheduled for my next two interviews the following week. Both interviews are on the same day, back to back. So my first interview, it was a black woman. She appears on the screen and immediately I feel like I'm at home because at this point, I've been in my professional career for three years now. And prior to me getting hired and even when I was attempted to leave my job, my employer last year, I had never been interviewed by a black person in in any sense, in any case. So there was a different level of comfort when I get on the screen and I see a, a black person, I can tell that the person interviewing me understands me as a human being just opposed to me being a name on a paper or just a face. And it's extremely comforting when it's a woman to add the cherry on top. You know, we all know the sense of soulless black men get from black women because black women provide black men with that comfort. Not to make any of this sound weird, nor am I trying to indicate that I needed any of that, but it just feels so much more comfortable when the person interviewing you speaks the quote unquote same language as you, so to say. Anyways, the interview goes as well as I expected it to. The interviewer tells me how much you know of a pleasure it is and also later reiterated. It was later reiterated by the recruiter when she gave me the feedback from my interviewer. So I'm happy with that. That interview ends. I, goes on, I go on to my next interview, maybe like 10, 5 minutes after that. I jump onto my next interview on the screen appears a brother. So I went from never being interviewed by black people ever to having back to black black people. So I was on cloud nine. And now I'm on cloud 11 because it's like no way in hell I could lose this opportunity. So I do well in the interview as well. That is also confirmed when the recruiter relays uh, the feedback from the interviewer after the interview. So I'm, I'm everything is looking up. Now, I want you all to keep in mind from the very first interview to the last one, three weeks have passed. When I finally got the feedback of those last two interviews and hearing that they went well, um, it was the following week after those interviews. So in total, this process was pushing an entire month. Although I was drained with all those damn interviews, I'm still in high spirits because I continue to get positive feedback on my interviews. The week following those two um, or the week following that round of feedback, actually, now we're heading into Thanksgiving break. So now I'm heading into holiday break and I'm waiting on decision. And At that moment, my high starts to wear off. I start to come down off the high because from those first two interviews, I figured if all goes well, I could either go into that holiday break, putting in my two weeks notice, or I can come back from the holiday break and immediately put in my two weeks notice. However, it did not go that way. Essentially, they were still interviewing other candidates heading into the holiday break week. And they wouldn't, they told me that they wouldn't have uh, an answer until that week after break, I believe. So at this point, I'm coming to terms with the fact that I might not even get this job um, despite all the positive feedback just because it's so long. And in those moments, I began to have the sense of clarity that you know, I'm starting to realize every single thing that I feel like I did wrong throughout that process. You know, we, we do those things where we tear ourselves down and say, oh, I'm not going to get this because I did that. So I start to realize little mistakes that I made through the process. The first mistake I made was walking into the situation with a big head. You know, despite all that I've accomplished in the previous year and even in my current role, you know, this is a brand new process. And the conversations that I had prior, the twelve months prior to this one, had absolutely nothing to do with this process that I was currently going through. So I had to come to terms with that. That I had to, you know, come down. You know, it's okay to be confident, but you know, can't get big-headed. The second mistake I made was accepting less than what I told myself my salary range was. No matter how much I love the brand, um, in that instance, I had to recognize my worth and assess it by ensuring that I don't accept anything lower than what I felt that I was worth. But because I love that brand so much, I thought that it was okay to do so, but that was a mistake that I made. The third, The third mistake I made was believing that I got the job before I actually got it. For those of you who know me personally, you know that I know circumstance. I'm the person to broadcast my moves. Um, it's just not in me for whatever reason. It's just not, you know, I can show you better and I can tell you. But for some reason in this process, I told my mom, I told my big brother, I told my closest friend that essentially, you know, I had this job in a bag. Until this day, I have no idea what possessed me to disclose that during the process It's really just completely out of character for me. Even as I recollect those actions now as I'm speaking to you all um in this very moment, I'm confused. But it did happen and it's just something I had to live with. But it's just something just felt off about me doing that. Anyways, if you haven't caught on by now, I did not get the job after a five week and four interview process, they decided to go with another candidate. Truth be told I wasn't even as sad as as I should have been because after four weeks that went by, they told me that they needed another week to decide. I kind of emotionally detached myself from that process. You know, I had become completely unrecognizable throughout that process because I was so enamored by the opportunity to work on this brand that meant so much to me that I had become big headed um, in a land that was foreign to me. I had devalued myself by potentially accepting less than I felt that I was actually worth, um, just for the sake of living a quote-unquote childhood dream in a sense. And then I had got completely out of character while I was bragging about something that I wasn't actually in possession of. This entire process humbled me because I learned just as well things can go, you have to stay level at it. When you're the first one bursting through that door... I'm going through all these experiences for the first time. I'm the first person to go through it. So I have to realize that, you know, I'm experiencing the experiences so I can pass down this knowledge to you know my siblings, to my relatives, my friends, et cetera, et cetera. Like I said at the top of this episode, I don't know too many folks personally that are occupying these spaces. So in a sense, I'm that first one through the door. And I'm going to have to be the person that reaches back and equip those people with this knowledge. Um, And letting them understand, you know, what it is and what it isn't and to revisit, you know, the conversation I was speaking about at the top of this episode as well that I was having with my therapist. The importance of networking is really essential in this key, and that's what I came away from this. You know, when we come from environments where not many people are walking the path that we aspire to walk, we have to find folks, whether they look like us or not, to equip us with that knowledge that we don't have for me. It's often difficult to trust people who I don't know, and especially when they don't look like me, it's difficult to trust them. Because I come from an environment where trust means essentially everything. It literally it can literally dictate, you know, life or death and jail or freedom. I place a lot of stake in that trust that I place in people. So that makes it even more difficult to network. Because if I'm enlisting knowledge from you, I expect you to have my best interest at heart. But what I've learned. Is not every relationship I create with another human being has to be deeper than the surface. And with that realization, I'm able to navigate uh, these spaces a little bit better. I'm no longer entering rooms and expecting every hand I shake to have my best interest at heart. But what I am doing when I'm entering those rooms is understanding that every hand I shake, will have their own unique experience or whatever field that they operate in. And the value in learning about those experiences is immeasurable. However, they could provide essential guidance, you know, on my journey. And for that, I am grateful that I'm able to realize that. To close this out, I just want to say, because I know there are probably millions of young folks from neighborhoods, similar to the one that I grew up in, More times than not, we are the first in our families. We are the first from our hood to occupy these professional spaces. While that is a great feat and that is a great accomplishment, the greater feat is learning how to maintain those spaces and learning how to establish longevity within these realms so that we can inspire, inspire um, generations behind us to also come through those doors that we bust down. And the best way to maintain that stay is to learn as much game as possible from the folks that have been in that career for 10 plus years, 20 plus year and apply, you know, the intricate tidbits to our journeys. You know, I said this before and I will say it again. The only reason why, you know, I'm back home now and I'm not living in New York is because I didn't understand how important networking was while I was in school. And it's not even just important. Networking is critical. You know, I went to New York to go to school and to start my professional career. But once I got there and once I graduated, no one told me how difficult it would be trying to get an entry level job in the city if I didn't know anyone. So my mistake was, you know, I went to school and I was focused on excelling in school, but I was failing at making the proper connections needed to set me up for life post-grad or post-undergrad, I should say. So This is especially for my young adults that are listening to this, that are in school. Yes, have fun, be a college student. We'll be fully aware that one day that time is gonna run out and you're going to have to enter whatever world you aspire. And the best way to prepare for that journey is to go to the career fairs, go attend the panels, Um, connect with folks on LinkedIn, talk to students within your your major, Um, be a good student so that professors are willing to lend their connects and et cetera, et cetera, so there's so many things you can do to prepare you for that life. And do not neglect those things. Do not neglect those things by any means, because that is what's going to set you up for proper success. You know, I'm grateful to be in the space that I'm in and I'm grateful to be in a career that I'm in. But I'm in a career because of network. And I told you all the story before as well. You know, I got the job that I got because I knew somebody that knew somebody. And from there, you know, it was on me to killer interviews and that was on me to hit it off with the people that was interviewing me so that i could secure this job and so that i could prolong my career as long as i prolong but i can't help but think where i could be had i had make the proper connection so now even with me being a young adult i'm still learning and understanding these things like even in my age there are certain things that i want to do there are certain things that I want to accomplish. There are certain spaces I want to occupy. There's certain spaces I want to exist that I need to be able to meet people to open those doors for me. You know, it's, it's, it's so much. We put so much emphasis on being the first one. We put so much emphasis on doing things ourselves, but not there's no one in this world was successful that did every single thing by themselves. They got help from someone somehow, whether it was a mentor whether it was a friend, whether it was a colleague, whether it was whatever the case it may be, every successful person in this world got some type of help, whether that help was a yes, whether that help was financially, whether that help was an introduction, whatever the case it may be, there's nothing in this world that we can accomplish all on our own. Yes, we can be very successful on our own, but you know you reach a certain plateau when you don't reach out to other people and you don't learn from other people and you don't meet other people. And so, as I close out this episode, as I close out this season, because this is the last episode of the season, I want to encourage you all to not be afraid to branch out. Have those conversations. Don't put too much, like me, don't put too much equity in those relationships that you build. Not saying take advantage of people, not saying to manipulate people, but don't be afraid to create professional relationships and not expect those professional relationships to, um uphold the same standard as your personal relationships. You can se- separate the thing. This you can separate the two things and it's important for us to realize that we can separate the two things. Especially people who come from environments like me because we it's hard for us to engage in those type of relationships and knowing that the person who you putting your trust in doesn't have your best interest at heart because we grow up in those type of environments to where there's a lot of emphasis on trust. And so we have to be able to shed those things for the sake of our improvement. We have to be able to shed those things for the sake of our ascension in order for us to grow. I'm currently back in in, in a space, and it's ironic that I even recorded this episode today, or I waited to record this episode today, because I just had an annual review for my current job. And, you know, I got a lot of great feedback, and I know that a promotion is on the horizon. But me personally, I know that a promotion was all should have been due a couple months ago. And so I'm in a, I in am in, in a I would not even say it's a weird space. I'm kind of in a great space because we're going into the summer and the ball is in my court. Either I stick around and I wait for a promotion or I put myself back out there and try to go get that promotion elsewhere. Um, with this being the last episode of the season, I think by the time I come back, I will have an answer from for that. I promise you all, I know I made a promise last time and I reneged on my promise. I promise you all, we will come back. I'm not going to tell you all when I'm coming back. I'm not going to put a timestamp on it. I'm not going to say it. it's not going to be six months and it end up being six months, but I thank you all for tuning in to the Speaking Peace podcast. I'm so grateful as we come upon this five-year, mark the five-year anniversary of the Speaking on Peace podcast. I'm so grateful for all of you all supporting, for all y'all who continue to listen to this podcast, who have those conversations with me, who give me feedback. I can't thank you enough. For your support, thank you for listening to the Speak One Peace podcast. My very last what to watch for season. Damn, I forgot what season we're in. Season six. My what to watch for this episode? We're going to go with Little Mermaid. Speaking about you know being the first through those doors and you know inspiring people behind us. That is a great <laughs> implication of that. So once again, my what to watch for this week is Little Mermaid in theaters now. That's the Speak on Peace podcast for this week. I'm out. Damn, I did that with the opposite hand.